Radio. This is your host, Trevor Kuritsen. As always, Steve Smith is joining me. We're doing another Q&A episode for you guys. So as always, any questions you have, you can send me a DM on Instagram. You can email me the questions, or you can send Steve a private message on the evolutionary.org forums. Every episode, we answer 10 questions. Uh, all the questions I forward to Steve, he makes a list of 10 questions, and then we just go one by one. So Steve, you got your list. Uh, are you excited to get into it? Yeah, actually, um, you know, let's talk first about, you know, some life lessons. You know, we, you know, it's always good. Um, a lot of the younger guys, like Trevor, you're still in your 20s. It's a very, very important age because what you do in your 20s, mistakes that you make can, can travel with you for the rest of your life. And I made a lot of mistakes in my 20s, but not a lot where it's affected my life. But I wish I could go back and kind of learn the stuff that I know now, but that's not possible. So, you know, let me, let me kind of tell you a story and a life lesson here. I'm going to go over something. So this is a story that I read about the other day, and this is a true story. So this couple decides to sell everything. They're like in their mid fifties and they're Americans. And they said, decide, let's buy a sailboat. They buy a big sailboat and they're like, let's travel across the Pacific Ocean and let's enjoy, let's island hop, let's enjoy the, the ocean, let's enjoy the sand, the beaches and just travel and meet people and all that cool stuff. So that's what they decide to do. And it's a really good, it, it's really awesome, you know? But the thing is, the problem is, you never know who you're gonna run into. So in this particular case, they were they were um, they landed on an island which was probably um, a couple days by boat south of Hawaii, and it was an atoll. And I don't know, Trevor, if you know what a, what an atoll is. You probably don't. I don't. Okay, an atoll is basically an island that was created by a reef. So it was naturally created by a reef. It wasn't a man-made island. It's not an island created by a volcano. It's not an island created by, you know, seismic shifting in the earth. It was basically a natural island created by a reef. And they decide to arrive there thinking the island will be unoccupied with nobody. And it's about a, probably a two-mile, two-square-mile island, okay, which is about four or five kilometers or, or six-kilometer island. And they're like, well, we'll park at this island. We'll enjoy the island for, you know, for the next three months, six months, whatever. We'll have the whole island themselves. But the thing is, they get to the island, and it was occupied. And there were a couple people on the island that they ran into. And the wife right off the bat is like, look, you know, these guys look kind of suspicious. It was a man and a woman, a young, young guy, probably in his 20s. The woman was also in her 20s. They looked really kind of suspicious. And the, the wife told the husband, you know what? I don't feel comfortable here, dude. We got to leave. But the husband's like, no, no, don't worry. Let's just hang out on the island. They'll eventually leave, and then we'll have the whole island to ourselves. Well, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. They ended up getting murdered 
the guy ended up murdering them, stealing their sailboat, and then sailing back to Hawaii. As soon as he got back to the Hawaii, they noticed that he had stolen the sailboat. They arrested him for stealing the sailboat. Then they checked the boat and found blood inside the boat. And then um, maybe a year later, they actually found the wife's body. Uh, her skull was on the island and it had a bullet hole in it. So life lesson here, guys, is go with your gut instinct in life. It could be anything. It could be, you know, if you go to a dentist, go to a doctor, if you go to your gym and you talk to the gym manager there, do they come off? Is there something off with the person? Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I'm not interested. Walk the other way. If they had got to the island, seen these people, trusted their gut instinct, they'd still be alive. But instead, they're dead. So, I can't tell you how many times I personally have had this situation come up. Maybe it was a shady business deal that I had. Maybe it was going to a doctor or a dentist that kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. It could be going to a gym and meeting the gym manager and him rubbing you the wrong way. And then they ended up screwing you, you know, billing your credit card the wrong amount or something. So always go with your gut instinct. And if you're married, Listen to your wife because women have a really, really good sixth sense about this shit. So trust your wife's decision and that will save you a lot. Is there something, Trevor, that you can remember that's happened to you in the past few years that you wish you could go back? Have you ever heard of the gut-brain connection? Have you ever heard of that scientific term? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop some science on what you just explained anecdotally. So Originally, we thought the brain was the head, right? We thought the brain controlled the body and that the brain sent neurotransmitters down the central nervous system. And basically, you would think, I want to contract my arm and the brain would then, you know, send the neurotransmitters and your muscles would contract and things like that. That's true for most body parts, but the gut-brain connection, actually, more information goes from your gut to your brain than the other way. So what we're starting to realize is how important a healthy gut microbiome is and how much your gut actually plays a role in unconscious decisions. So that whole gut feeling thing, as much as that's kind of like uh, a saying that people don't put much scientific merit to, it's actually 100% accurate. And if you look back on your life, Chances are there was a lot of times when your gut, something didn't feel right and you did it, you did it anyways, and it backfired on you. Or there's a lot of times where you did something where all of the signs said, don't do it, but you had a good gut feeling about that person or that job or that situation, and you did it, and it turned out well. So what you said, Steve, is actually scientifically correct. If any of our listeners are interested, Google the gut-brain connection, and you can learn how much of uh, how important a healthy gut role is, a healthy gut is in your cognitive health. And also some of the literature shows that people who are suffering from depression, they have the worst microbiomes. So a lot of the new research is showing that you can heal depression with proper dietary interventions, probiotic supplements. It's, it's really, really fascinating, Steve. I think it's an art as well. Um, I think certain people are gifted when it comes to that, but I also think it's an art. It's something you develop because I've, I've had this um, all my life, but we're kind of trained in society to ignore it. 
we've trained ourselves to just ignore it and not trust it. And that's, that's, you know, a mistake that's going to get you in trouble one day. So if you're interested, actually Google what Trevor said, but if you want to read more about this story, they actually never found the main, the, the husband's body. He, they never found the body, but if you want to read more about that, that murder mystery, it's called the uh, PLM, PL, P-A-L-M, Y-R-A Atoll, Palmara Atoll. And it's a, it is an Atoll south of Hawaii. It's a very beautiful, beautiful island, um, but it is rumored to be haunted. So if you want to go there, um, keep that in mind. So our next topic. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was in a prompt. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe Trevor and I will go there one day and uh, I can, you know, show Trevor to Haunted Island. So the next one is um, a, a guy who called in, uh, actually, he, um, he wrote in, I'm sorry, he didn't call in. He wrote in and he's concerned because his son is uh, 15 years old and he walked into his son's room and he saw bodybuilders on the wall. Um, and he's concerned about that because the, the, the kid has male bodybuilder posters on the wall. So Trevor, you're a big bodybuilding fan. And uh, tell us a little bit about that did you ever have bodybuilders on your wall and uh tell us a little bit about uh what would you do if uh did your dad ever say anything that did he ever think that was kind of creepy that you had uh half nude men on the wall i never i never actually had posters on my wall i don't think it's the canadian thing like none of my friends put posters on their wall none of us put you know concert posters or anything on our wall but i did have bodybuilding magazines I had the Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. I had probably close to 100 muscular developments. I got them all for free. I got all the magazines for free. Uh, personal trainers at the gym would give me them for free, like old editions of magazines and stuff. So I definitely had a lot of bodybuilding media in my room. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, if your son was into sports, you know, he might have photos of Tom Brady or wayne gretzky or michael jordan on his wall or, or whatever um, i think it's good for kids to have goals um and i think it's good to work towards uh, a goal whatever it be you know, whether to be better at basketball whether it be better at hockey whether to be better at weight training or things like that so i would encourage it if you encourage it it most likely won't become a sick endeavor it'll become a healthy endeavor so if he's into lifting weights you know encourage him to lift weights with you teach him proper diet. I really think, especially at a young age, it's important to be a good role model because if you teach him those habits at a young age, lifting weights, eating well, doing cardiovascular training, stretches, things like that, it's something he'll most likely continue on for the rest of his life. Um, my dad really did a good job of that when I was, I started weight training when I was 13 actually. And rather than my dad say, you know, bodybuilding is taboo, I don't support it. He, he encouraged me. He invited me to work out with him. He taught me proper form. And to this day, I still work out multiple days per week. I still eat a good diet. Um, so I, I would encourage it. I think, I think, it's, uh, I think it's great as but long I, as it stays healthy. But I think the more the concern is because he's, like, he's like scared because, um, like, you, you see what I'm saying? Because he's got half-naked men posters on the wall. You see, you see the perspective? Yeah, but it's different. Like he's idolizing the physique. He's not looking at. He's not idolizing their dicks. But he's idolizing a man's physique. Like, would that concern you? Is my question. 
No, because he he wants to look like those guys. He wants to look. He wants to have a nice chest and a six pack. And he's like, it's not. He's not looking at them for sexual reasons. He's looking at them because he wants to resemble that body. It'd be the same way as you're looking at Michael Jordan. You're not. You don't have his poster on his wall because you think he's handsome. You have his poster on your wall because you think he's a great basketball player and you want to be a basketball player like him. Well, let me take a little harder stance on this. Um, because have you heard of have you heard, have you heard of Pogo the clown? Pogo the clown, the clown, the uh, Pogo the clown. You ever? Oh my god, this is so bad. All right, so Pogo the clown, you'd probably never heard of him. He was actually John Wayne Gacy, and he when he was a kid, he would bake cookies and cake and stuff like his dad would come home and he'd be baking like cake and cookies and stuff and his dad would be so pissed his dad would be like why aren't you outside playing sports you know and wrestling you know and all this other stuff outside with the other boys what are you doing at eight years old baking in the kitchen you don't belong in a kitchen so what he would do is he'd get the base the the belt and just beat him with the belt so what ended up, this guy ended up growing up to be one of the most notorious serial killers. Pogo the Clown was his name, okay? And he ended up burying at least 33 teenagers and young men under his house. And you can look this up. Look up Pogo the Clown if you don't believe me. This is you a true story. You just did everything I said, Steve. I said, encourage your kid and no no i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just i'm just trying to i'm taking it I'm, I'm taking it from a different angle so what i'm trying to say is that as a father beating the shit out of your kid just because you don't agree with what he has on his wall or because you think oh it's gay to have body on the wall you're actually making the kid go crazy you're making the kid fucked up from that that that's my point you see what i'm saying especially in today's society if you if you told your kid bodybuilding is gay get those half naked men off your wall you can't say things like that anymore now this is gender neutral you have to everything is you know pro transgender things like that like you can't teach your kid things like that like he's gonna get beaten up at school if he says that's gay like you can't even say the term that's gay anymore so yeah you really gotta encourage him and then that poco the clown or whatever his name is if his dad would have said you know hey i think it's a little weird you're into baking but you know i think it's cool you know like keep baking you know like let me let me bake with you do you maybe want to like take over breakfast saturday morning something like that that kid would have probably turned into some six-star michelin chef he probably would have had some baking show on the food channel or something he probably would have been you know the next ace of cakes or whatever so encourage your kids no matter how weird their passion is because if you follow your passion, you're going to be successful. I really believe that. And, and this guy ended up actually growing up. He ended, ended up having a successful business. He was a, what they call a high IQ serial killer, Trevor. You have low IQ serial killers, high IQ serial killer. So he was a smart, intelligent kid. But his dad, because his dad kind of fucked him up as a kid. And his dad also was abusive to, the, to the, his mom and stuff like that. So that probably led him to kind of also be abusive toward other young men you see what i'm saying as an adult so as a father any father listening to this you know uh you you have to remember what the, the set an example for your kid and encourage them um i agree with trevor because what you do when they're young can really fuck them up and all these serial killers have some type of abuse as children you know there's either they witnessed abuse 
or they, you know, kind of were doing very, very suspicious thing as children. This isn't something that you're born as a serial killer. This is something that you, you get grown up as. So you have to really be careful when you have, when you have a, a child to, to set a good example for them in, into adulthood. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Um, and at some point, have a have a man-to-man -man talk with your kid to see his sexual preference. If he, you know, he might like men, he might like women, or he might like both. Whatever it is, be supportive. It doesn't matter. I mean, in today's society, it's acceptable, you know, to be gay, straight, you know, bi, whatever. So whatever he's happy with, at the end of the day, hopefully he ends up with someone who loves him, who treats him good, who doesn't cheat on him doesn't fuck him up, you know, and take all his money one day. Would you rather him, you know, grow up and get married to some woman, you know, if he's gay, but he marries some women and five years later he gets divorced and she takes all his money? I mean, would you want that? No, you probably wouldn't. So just, just be accepting of your kid and everybody has their own interests. All right. We always make fun of people as weightlifters because our kid, you know, might might have a different interest in us. So everybody's different. So, um, okay, so our next topic, um, we, got, we got some time here. Abused steroids, and now I want to knock up my girlfriend. So Trevor, I'm gonna let you answer this one. So basically, he, he's concerned that he might not have sperm. Can you tell him what he needs to do to check his sperm? Your own experience is, is in this, and I'll let you, I'll let you run this topic, because you know about this one. Okay, so first of all, this is a very individual case-by-case uh, -case situation. So what worked for person A will not work for person B. So just because you abuse steroids doesn't necessarily mean you're infertile. Steroids reduce sperm count, but you'll need one sperm to get your girlfriend pregnant. So I would try to get your girlfriend pregnant, see what happens. If that doesn't work, I would recommend using HCG. HCG limit, mim mimics LH and FSH in the body. It won't actually restart your testosterone production or anything like that, but it will get your testicles artificially working again. So I would take some HCG. If those two things don't work, you're going to have to come off. You're going to have to run a proper PCT and then try to get your girlfriend pregnant. But I really think that if you run some HCG while on cycle, you should be able to get your girlfriend pregnant. It's probably just going to take more tries than originally would have, right? Like you might've got your girlfriend pregnant in the first five times. You might have to try 20 to 30 times because steroids reduce sperm count, but they don't reduce it completely. And that's why you always hear horror stories of people getting their girlfriend pregnant while on cycle. Cause they, there was some mis, misinformation that they thought that they were, infertile while on steroids. No, 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 it, it, it doesn't work like that. Steroids reduce the likelihood of getting pregnant, but it's not, uh, it's not a conception method. Like you, you still need to practice safe sex while on cycle and you can still get your girlfriend or significant other pregnant while on cycle. But how does he get his sperm tested is, is what he wants to You know. just go to fertility clinic. Um, it's not too expensive. It costs you about a hundred bucks. You basically ejaculate in, uh, in a Petri dish and they test your sperm for you. So that's a good, that's, that's what I would do. And I would definitely come off steroids. I would stop messing with hormones entirely and then let your body come back. But I think getting the sperm tested right away will at least, you know, make you sleep better at night. So next question is lost 10 kilos, which I believe is what, like 22 pounds, Trevor? 
pound, one, one kilo is 2.2 pounds. Yeah, so 22 pounds. So 10 kilos, 22 pounds, and he's now stuck. So really quick, Trevor, um, let me just say this. There is something called homeostasis, guys. So if you've gained that 22 pounds over the past couple of years, you know, slowly or whatever, and, and then you lose it, and now you're right back to where you were two years ago, that's, that is pretty much what happens. That's called homeostasis. And then now you're, you want to break that through down that floor of weight, and it's not going to be as easy. So if you've been at that, if you've been at a 200 pounds for 10 years, then you fall off the wagon, you gain 22 pounds in two years, and then you, you know, get your diet under control and then drop that 22 pounds right back to 200 pounds. Well, you've been 200 pounds previously for 10 years. That's called body memory and muscle, you know, muscle memory, body memory, everything. So to break down that, you're going to have to take shit to the next level. So I would first want to know what's your diet like now? How often are you eating? What foods are you eating? And I would want you to, you know, I'd analyze that and then I'd go from there. That would be the first step, but you're not going to break that floor um, that easily. It's not going to be an easy task since you've been at that same weight, but you can definitely do it. I wish he gave us some more information. Like I wish he said what his current body fat is. Cause like, let's say he was at 12% body fat. He lost, you know, 22 pounds and now he's at about 8%. Getting below 8% is extremely hard. You have to get really meticulous with your diet and training because you're really fighting against your body's homeostasis, homeostasis mechanisms. Getting below 8% is very hard. And that's why, you know, when someone's going to do a bodybuilding competition, they hire a coach, they take a lot of fat burners. Um, it's, it's very, very tough. Your body as a your your body fat as a man, your body really doesn't want to get below 8%. So the first couple pounds are always the easiest to lose. That's, that's true with anything in life, right? The, the beginning is always the easiest. I would say stay consistent, right? So let's say you've got, let's say your goal is to lose 50 pounds. The first half of that is going to be easier. You know, you're probably going to lose two pounds a week. As you get closer to your goal, you might only lose one or 0.5 pounds per week. That's normal because as you get closer to your goal, getting your body fat lower is harder. Like it's easier to go from 15% body fat to 12%, but going from 12% to 80% is much harder. So I would just say stay consistent. Don't give up. Be patient. Um, that's the biggest mistake I see people make is that they, they just lose the discipline, right? Like if you stay consistent, um, you're going to break through that plateau. It's the same thing with a strength, a strength barrier, right? I see time guys all the time, right? Like they're, they're trying to improve their bench, right? So their bench goes from 200 to 250 and they're stuck at 250. Well, gains are never linear. You're never going to be able to add five pounds to your bench press every single week. But if you stay at that 250, you might plateau there for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden you're going to be able to do 260, you're going to do 270. So I think same thing here, you know, your body might just sit at that weight for a couple of weeks and then it's going to start dropping again. So that, that would be my advice. Newbie wants to know how we should get into weight training. So I can go back to, let me, let me start off with this one again. Um, I can start, I can remember when I first got into weight training, uh, my dad had some weights in the garage and they had spider webs all over them. They hadn't been touched in years. So I went in there and picked up my first weight and I got bit by a spider. That was my first experience weight training. 
So, you know, I, I took the weights, I got the spider webs off and I started lifting weights. I had no idea what I was doing. So what I did, I went to the library and I checked out a couple body uh, weightlifting books and I read the weightlifting books. I learned the basics and I started from there. And then I got a, a, a gym membership, a little crappy ass gym that was like a mile away from my house. In those days, there weren't gyms like there is today. We didn't even have a franchise gym in my town. You know, this is the, this, I'm talking about the early nineties here, Trevor. You weren't even born yet. So now there's gyms all over was, the fucking place. I was born place. in 92, FYI. Okay, <laughs> so you're a baby. Now there's gyms everywhere. Every fucking corner there's a fucking gym. You know, and there's franchise gyms. There's like fucking 10 LA fitnesses in, in every city. So, you know, now it's easier, much easier. You got the internet and everything. So, but this is, this is the thing. Sometimes too much information can be a bad thing too. So my recommendations to people who are new is don't rush it now trevor he got into it he was like i want to be a bodybuilder i want to be on stage he rushed the shit out of it okay and he'll be the first one to admit it it did not do him as much good as if he had just taken his time he was still ended up you know in the same place 10 years later so my recommendation is get a good gym membership or get, get on your weightlifting team at school. Okay. But stick to the compound lifts, the big compound lifts, the bench press, the, the militaries, the squats, the lunges, the deadlifts, the pull-ups, the, um, did I say dips, dips, the, the rows, you know, those, the big ones, the big compound lifts, don't go in front of the mirror with a, with, a, with a dumbbell and start doing bicep curls like you see in these stupid YouTube videos these guys are doing. That's all for show, all right? How many times we see these young guys at the gym in a group standing in front of the mirror and they're all doing these bicep curls together and they have fucking nine-inch arms, okay? That's not the way you build a foundation. So you want to be patient. The first five years of weight training – Okay, should be building a foundation, building body memory and building muscle memory. That's that is the hours that you put in the gym will pay off as you get older. And a lot of people are like, well, I, I build muscle, I go on steroids, I build muscle, then I come off and I lose it all. Well, you're not gonna lose muscle that you built with a proper foundation. Like I can stop weight training for months and I'm still gonna be a muscular guy because you're not gonna be able to undo the past 20 years of weight training that I've done. But if you're a, you know, a guy who hops on steroids and rushes things, and you've only been training for five months, then yeah, you're gonna lose everything but because you never had the gains to begin with. So body memory, homeostasis, muscle memory, those are real things. And those are things you have to build up over time. It's just like how your buddy, okay, your running buddy that you know, he can run a 5K in 18 minutes, because he's been running since he was eight years old, but you just got into running and you struggle to even get below 30 minutes in a 5k. It's because he's been running for 30 years, 20 years, and you've only been running, you're brand new to running. So anything, anything in life takes time for your body to build a skill. I'm going to answer this question with another question. So let's say you wanted to learn how to play the guitar. What would you do? Chances are you would go on Google or whatever, and you would look to find a guitar teacher in your area and you'd sign up for a couple lessons. Same thing if you want to learn the piano, if you want to learn the clarinet or whatever. What I recommend for new lifters is find someone who knows what they're doing 
and have them mentor you for a couple workouts so you learn proper form. So for me, it was my dad. He showed me how to squat, how to bench press, how to deadlift. Um, find a personal trainer in your area if you don't have a family member. Um, if you have a friend who's a weightlifter, get him to mentor you. You don't have to do it for you know a ton, maybe just five or six sessions. That way you're going to learn proper foundation. I see this all the time. Um, I work out at the university gym a couple days per week, and I see all these first-year university kids. They come into the gym. You can tell they have no idea what they're doing. And what do they do? They gravitate towards machines because the thought of putting a bar on your back and squatting, it's uncomfortable just thinking about it. I totally get it. So machines, it seems easy. You know, you just sit in the machine and you follow the directions, but you're never going to get the same muscular development using machines that you would with free weights. There's a reason why all the best guys with the best physiques use free weights. So that would be my advice to this guy who submitted this question is that spend some money, you know, spend 400 bucks. You could probably get five or six personal training sessions out of it. You're going to be so much further off in the long run. It's going to be the best money you ever spent. You know, that's 400 bucks. That's, that's two nights of going out at the bar. You're gonna have to sacrifice, right? So that would be my advice is, is get some personal training or find a buddy who can teach you proper form and stick with free weights, stick with the basics, sticks with the compound movements. Like Steve said, learn, a, learn the basics, build a foundation, and then get more complicated with your workouts. Then you can do split routines. You can do isolation exercise, but at the beginning, just, just learn how to lift weights. I mean, I feel for your generation, Trevor, because you guys have like no patience and it's not your fault. It's just because it's kind of like a bird. You ever wonder why birds, like they sit on top of the power lines? You have, you have power lines in Canada, right? Above ground? Yeah. So the birds sit up there and you're like, that's a wild animal. Why is it sitting on top of the power line? Because that bird hatched from an egg and it, it knows that the power line is there. It doesn't, doesn't, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It grew up like that. So you grew up with the internet. Everything is ADHD. Everything is video games. It's all in your head. If you want to like you know, you know, get laid, you just go on your app, find a girl, go get laid that night. Back when I was your age, if I wanted to get laid, I had to fucking go on a date, go on four or five dates with a girl, quarter, and then I could get laid. But now it's all like apps, everything's so fast. So guys your age, they just want everything fast, but body building muscle takes time. You know, you can't just build muscle overnight. All these professional athletes, they've been doing whatever, all these professional hockey players or football players, they've been doing this since they were five years old. They've been playing the sport since they were five. You don't see athletes just magically at 20 or 25 years old, get into the sport and then become professionals overnight. So it's, it takes time and I feel for your generation. I just, I just think that, um, I, I just think it's really, really tough. So um, I, I'm sorry, it's not gonna happen, you know, in a few months. It's gonna take a few years to build a proper base. So you gotta accept it or don't even find a new hobby. Next one is oral only cycle ideas. Trevor, have you ever done an oral only cycle? I'm assuming you have, because I think we talked about it before. Give us some ideas. So a lot of people bash oral only cycles. You know, they say, you got to stack it with tests. Like only idiots do oral only cycles. You will get more out of a steroid cycle by running some injectables, but steroids are steroids. You can get really good results from doing an oral only cycle. Um, you want to get as good results, but you, you can get good results. And depending on your goals, if you're not trying to put on a significant amount of muscle, if you're just trying to, you know, maybe put on five to five to 10 pounds, get a nice cosmetic effect, oral only cycles are effective. 
Um, what I would recommend would be maybe like T-ball or Anivar. The nice thing about those two steroids is they don't aromatize an estrogen, so all you would need on cycle is liver support. Really, really mild. For T-ball, I would do maybe 30 to 40 milligrams per day. For Anivar, I would do maybe 40 to 60 milligrams per day. I would do it for six to eight weeks. Um, one thing I will say is that, that steroids are steroids, so whether they're injectables or orals, steroids will suppress your HPCA, so you need to run a proper PCT. That's the biggest misconception I, th- I see people make is that they run some orals, and think, oh, well, I never injected myself. I don't need to run a PCT. No, 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 no. That, that, that's completely not true. Whether they're orals or injectables, they're both steroids. They're just different delivery mechanisms. Um, I'm not against oral-only steroid cycles, Steve. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the topic? I think I, I have some ideas. Um, something like a 20 milligrams a day of D-bowl along with 20 milligrams a day of T-bowl. It gives a really yin-yang-yang effect and then run a light AI with it. Run your N2 guard for your liver support. And, there's, and, and run that for like four, five, maybe six weeks at most. And you'll get some good results off of that. And, and you won't blow it up because the T-bowl is dry and then the, the D-bowl is wet, but you're running a light AI with it. Don't run too much of an AI. You'll get really good results on that. Super droll is another one. You can get fantastic results on super droll in three or four weeks. Anadrol is another one. You can get fantastic results in Anadrol. 25 milligrams a day, that's it. Superdrol, 20 milligrams a day. So yeah, you can get damn good results on oral-only cycles for sure. And a lot of guys I know, they've run oral-only cycles for years and they, they, they've done perfectly fine. And a lot of people just don't want to inject. They don't want to keep needles in the house. And it's kind of a taboo to them. And um, actually, the old school bodybuilders, that was a taboo thing. And that's why D-Bowl was actually invented, because American bodybuilders and American athletes at the time did not want to inject testosterone. So a doctor, an American doctor, came up with the idea of D-Bowl, which is pretty much testosterone in oral form, because it's it aromatizes into estrogen and it's, it's androgenic and anabolic. So obviously on paper, it's not testosterone, but it gives you testosterone like results. So that's why he came up with the idea of D-Bowl. The problem is it is liver toxic. So you don't want to drink if you're running oral, oral only cycles. You don't want to be drinking anyway, but especially on them. And you want to be careful about the other types of prescription drugs um, like Tylenol or Advil, those really strain the liver. And if you're on any other type of medication, you want to be careful because if you overstrain your liver, and I know Trevor's a big advocate of this, then you will strain your body tremendously and actually can uh, inhibit you from uh, making uh, muscle gains and from losing fat at the same time. So you don't want to do that. Get clean. And then you can do it and stay the fuck away from the alcohol, please. So let me, let me just talk about liver health quick and then I'll let you talk, uh, introduce the next topic. So that's the only thing I don't like about oral only steroid cycles is that most oral steroids are methylated. There's a couple exceptions, but the vast majority are methylated, which makes them liver toxic. And if you're doing back to back oral steroid cycles, it is going to put a lot of stress on your liver. Now, your liver is a very versatile organ. It's the only organ in your body that can actually regenerate itself. But your liver is such an important organ that you really 
don't want to stress out your liver because your liver is what detoxifies your body. So obviously if your body's full of toxins, you're not going to feel good. You're going to feel run down, but your body, your liver also makes bile salts, which your body needs to emulsify fats. So your liver is your body's primary fat burning organ. So most people who are using steroids, they have the goals of building muscle and burning fat. So if you toxify your liver, you can actually be shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak, because your fat burning goals are going to be hindered. And then you're also going to be toxic. So you're going to feel lethargic and you're going to feel run down. And that's why if you ever talk to someone who's running like high doses of Anadrol, they'll say, I'm experiencing extreme lethargy. That's part of the reason for it. So I make sure to run a really good liver aid, like end to guard on cycle and after cycle and drink lots of water, eat healthy, eat foods that support detoxification of your liver. So those are dark green, bitter foods, things like kale, things like Swiss chard, apple cider vinegar is really good. Um, lemons and grapefruits are also really good. So Steve, you can answer the next question. Next, next one is gluten and dairy opinions, good or bad. Um, let me get you to talk about gluten because you know more about gluten than anybody. And then I'll kind of give my opinion on dairy. But tell us what gluten is and tell us what you think about gluten. I know you're gluten intolerant, so try not to be biased. Okay, so again, let me, let me, uh, let me answer this question with another question is that a lot of people argue, well, I'm not celiac. I don't need to cut out gluten. My, my counteract to that is, is gluten or dairy doing anything good for you? No, at the very worst, it's not a hindrance. So why include it if it's not going to do anything good for you? I'm not a big fan of gluten. Um, part of the reason is that most of the things that contain gluten, wheat, barley, rye, they're full of glyphosate and they're extremely genetically modified. It's actually not the gluten itself. Most people have food sensitivities to. It's the genetically modified wheat and it's the, all the glyphosate and Roundup on the wheat. That's why most people who have a gluten sensitivity here in North America can go to Europe and eat gluten with no problems because they don't genetically modify their grains and they don't use Roundup on any of their foods. It's actually banned in the European Union. Um, same thing with dairy. I mean, conventional dairy, it's coming from sick animals. They're full of drugs. They're full of antibiotics. It's just not doing anything good for you. So why consume it? I guess that's kind of my train of thought is that you can only eat so much in a day. So wouldn't you want to maximize what you're eating? Um, most people, when they cut gluten and lactose out of their diet, they notice that their digestive system feels better. Their skin looks a little bit better. They just feel a little bit better overall. So why consume something that at the very best wouldn't be a hindrance? What are your thoughts, Steve? Well, before I give my thoughts on dairy, what are some foods that gluten is kind of hidden in? Because one of the issues too with gluten is you can't just look at the ingredients and see, yeah, gluten or look at the box and say, oh, gluten-free. Um, well, so okay. gluteal, gluteal is a protein that is in a lot of cereal grains, such as wheat, barley, and rye. So anything that has wheat in it will have gluten. So if it has wheat flour, um, anything like that, it would have gluten in it. But the problem is that we use wheat flour as a thickener in a lot of products. So something like pasta sauce, you wouldn't think would have gluten in it because you would think, well, that doesn't, there's no, there's no bread in pasta sauce, but they add it as a thickener. Even things like soy sauce, even things like ketchup, they add wheat flour as a thickener and as an emulsifier. So you really got to be, uh, 
a label reader and read the ingredients carefully because it's in granola bars, it's in condiments, it's in sauces, it's in it's even in soft drinks. It's in it's in pretty much everything because they use it as a thickener. Candy, it's in candy. Some candies have it as well. So you really gotta be careful if your kid is gluten insensitive. So on dairy, guys, I'm, I'm gonna kind of uh, torpedo this in a couple different ways. First off. Um, you know, you gotta look at the environmental impact of dairy farms. They're really not good for the environment because they, you know, the cows are, you know, uh, farting a lot of green, you know, causing greenhouse gases, whatever. They're polluting. Um, these factory farms pollute the shit out of our land. Um, but also the way the cows are treated. I mean, if you go to a dairy farm and just watch the way they're treated, um, you can look this up. There's some videos of some dairy farms. And I'm not saying all dairy farmers are assholes, but a lot of them are. And they basically, um, they hit the cows, they beat the cows, they force them to get in. They put their heads in vices and force them just to sit there all fucking day in their own shit and get milked. I mean, is that, is that the foods that, is that the companies you wanna support? I mean, this is very immoral shit here. And also, is the milk that you're consuming and you're buying from the store, is that even real food? And it's not. It's pasteurized, first of all. It's not raw. It's full of hormones. They feed the cows absolute shit, okay? Let's be honest about it. These aren't grass-fed cows, you know? They're all, these companies want to make money, okay? So they're not going to take care of the cows. The cows are going to die, and they don't give a fuck. They're just going to bring in more cows, it's just an awful thing to even be a part of. So what I recommend is if you like cheese, get some good quality unpasteurized cheese from like Italy or Spain or France or Holland overseas where they actually have better standards and they actually, you know, take care of their cows because the cows in North America are treated like absolute shit. All right, and, the, and it's all pasteurized garbage. You can tell the difference between unpasteurized and pasteurized milk anyway. So, but as far as milk, guys, no, you don't need milk. I mean, this is, this is something that um, you would feel much better. If you're a, a milk drinker, stop drinking milk for the next week or the next month, and you'll notice, wow, I feel so much better. And as far as gluten, you don't have to be gluten intolerant or celiac, but gluten is an inf inflammatory. So when you consume anything with gluten, it's gonna cause inflammation in the body. So stay away from gluten, stay away from soy, and stay away from dairy unless it is good quality, unpasteurized dairy from Europe. That, that's my advice to you if you want my opinion. Just, just one more tip there. So human breast milk is 80% whey and 20% casein. Now bovine dairy milk is 80% casein and 20% whey, so it's the opposite. Humans really don't digest casein that well. Um, it, it, it's just not a very good protein. It coagulates a lot in the body. They actually use it to make glue. So my suggestion would be to use goat's milk cheese because goat's milk more closely resembles human breast milk. They actually use goat's milk on infants who the mother can't nurse for whatever reason. So they'll give that infant goat's milk. So that'd be my recommendation would be to look for a good quality unpasteurized goat's milk cheese that would actually be the best option even better than what steve recommended i keep throwing up after my workouts 
This is uh, one of those topics that um, we don't talk enough about, actually, because people don't understand why they feel like shit during the workout and why they're throwing up during the workout. So let me let me kind of take take this on first. And the funny story is, um, you know, I ran a lot when I was in high school. I had to, okay, because we we would run. I took a class, a, a physical fitness class. We'd run like 45 minutes every day. And that's, uh, that's in 90 degree weather. So I'd run, but I never really understood this until I became a competitive runner in my mid twenties. And I would, um, the first 5k I ran as I was training, I actually threw up. I stopped in the middle of the race and fucking dry heaved. And then by the end of the race, I fucking threw up. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? So I started talking to other runners and stuff, and I started developing my own techniques to running. And what I found is, and this makes perfect sense, that if you consume food within two hours of your run, during your run, your body's going to be like, you know what? What's going to make me run more efficient? What's going to make my body run better? And that is going to be to clear the shit out of my stomach. So your body is going to throw that shit up because it wants that out of your body. So if you're having a hard weight training session or a hard cardio session and you eat right before you work out, your body's gonna wanna get rid of that food. So that's why you're feeling nauseous and that's why you keep throwing up. So my recommendation is if you must eat before your workout, take at least two to two and a half hours beforehand and eat something that's easy to digest. My tip to you is melon. Melon is the easiest fucking thing to digest the body that's, doesn't have to process it very much. It's all fiber and water, okay? And very, very, very little sugar. And it's very easy to digest. Don't eat a fucking steak and fucking, you know, or a burrito or something before you work out because you're gonna, your body's going to want to throw it out. And what's funny too is even water. If you're a runner, you will know this is during your race, what did they tell you to do during your race? When you stop for water, put it in your mouth and then spit it out or swirl it in your mouth and spit it out. Don't swallow it because even water has to be processed by the body. So, you know, if you want your workouts to be the most energetic and the most efficient, don't eat within two hours, you know, and then what you eat right before that, have it be something that's easy to process. Nothing heavy in the stomach and Water, sip a little water during your workout, that's fine, but don't just gulp a half a gallon of water during your workout because, again, your body's going to want to spit that up. So your autonomic nervous system regulates your body. You have two branches of that. You have your parasympathetic and your sympathetic. So your parasympathetic is your body's rest and digest. Your sympathetic is your body's fight or flight. Now, when you're working out, your sympathetic nervous system is engaged because, you know, you're going beast mode, you're lifting weights, you know, your heart rate's up and things like that. That's the opposite of your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest. So they're opposite processes. So you wouldn't want to eat something right before your workout because during your workout, you want your sympathetic activated as much as possible. That's what's going to raise adrenaline. That's going to release endorphins. That's going to give you a really good pump. You also want any blood in your stomach because you want that blood going to your working muscles. So like Steve said, you don't want to eat anything before your workout. Um, I recommend eating something about two hours before your workout. So you have ample time to let that digest, let it clear your stomach before you start your workout. Um, what Steve said, that'd be a good suggestion. I would eat a protein source because most people listening to this podcast have the goals of building muscle. So you're going to want to have some amino acids in your bloodstream. So I would eat a very easily digesting protein source. That'd be something like egg whites or tuna. 
I would have some complex cards. I'm not a big fan of fruit because fruit is high in fructose and fructose can only restore liver glycogen, not muscle glycogen. So I'd maybe have some egg whites and some oatmeal, something really easy digesting like that, or maybe some tuna and rice. Um, make sure it's easily digesting. Stick with foods that you know digest well for your body. Don't eat anything heavy. You know, like you wouldn't want to eat um, the whole egg, so that'd be too heavy. You wouldn't want to eat steak. You wouldn't want to eat um, like pancakes, toast and butter and syrup or anything like that. Easy digesting foods. I really like uh, plain brown rice cakes. Those digest really well for me. So, you know, I might have six or seven egg whites. I'll have the hard-boiled eggs, scoop out the yolks and just eat the egg whites and maybe six or seven rice cakes. I'll eat that about two hours before my workout. That'll, that'll have digested by the time I get to the gym. It's going to give my, uh, it's going to give my body ample carbs and ample amino acids to fuel my workout. So that'd be my recommendation. I remember I used to play soccer back in uh, high school and you know, our soccer coach said to eat before uh, the game, Trevor. Probably bananas. Cause they, no, no. He said, he said to consume Italian food, pasta. <laughs> no, that's yeah. So, uh, so it's funny stories. Before, not not right before your, your no no so I ate it that I ate, I would eat it I'd listen to his advice you know I mean the, he's the coach he knows what he's talking about and then during the game I swear to God like I was probably half as fast as I usually was like I had no speed at all and Dude, I, I feel I just listened to a lecture by a sports dietitian that's what she called herself she that that's not even a thing that was a term she made herself a sports dietitian. And she was telling us how she recommends all of her patients to drink liter of chocolate milk an hour before their workout. And I was just shaking my head. I didn't say anything. I'm too polite. I'm a Canadian. But I'm like, if I drank a liter of chocolate milk before my workout, I would be so gassy and bloated. I'd just be like lying on the bench. Like the last thing I'd want to do would be go do kettlebell swings or walking. Like it just... I felt like I can remember I ate pizza before the game because he said Italian food. He said, you got to carve up, you got to eat Italian food, you got to eat pasta. So I ate a couple slices of pizza. Then during the game, I had to take a shit, okay? Like, and I couldn't even run. So like I, during halftime, I was like, I told the captain of the team, I'm like, dude, I got to go take a shit. And he's like, okay, Steve, go hurry up. So I ran and took a shit, came back. And the rest of the game, I was like, fucking, I couldn't even run. So the coach goes to me. He's like, Steve, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're the fastest guy in the team. And you're fucking like, what the hell's your problem? And I'm like, dude, you told me to fucking eat Italian food. Maybe that's my problem. So, you know, just proves to you guys, just because, you know, it's the coach or whatever, doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. So just listen to your body. Obviously. Let me, let me say know. one more thing. Just because someone writes a book doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. I have read so many books where the information is blatantly wrong. And I just shake, I'm like, how does this get published? Like, I don't, do they not have editors? So like, yeah, do your own research just because someone has written a book or they have a lot of followers on Instagram or they can say big scientific words doesn't necessarily mean they know what they're talking about. Do your own research and experiment with your body. You know, it's, it's actually good to eat a huge steak and some mashed potatoes before a workout once because you're going to feel so crappy you're never going to do it again so i'm, I'm not actually against making mistakes because you learn from your mistakes and i've done that you know i've eaten a huge meal before my workout before leg day thinking like hey this is going to fuel me i'm gonna have a crazy squat session i felt so sick the last thing i wanted to do a squat I, I like i did some leg extensions some lying hamstring curls and i went home 
Yeah, well, you said the scientific stuff you said, Trevor, I'll add this to it. Your digestive system, 50% of the energy that your body uses during the day is for digesting food. So if you throw food at the stomach and the body has to use energy to digest that food, then you're not doing yourselves any favor. So in my example, as a soccer player, I should have eaten very light, like Trevor said, those foods that Trevor said, light very, very light during the day. And I would have been fast as fuck in the game, but instead I ate shit and my body spent the whole game trying to digest that shit I put inside it. So, you know, try that instead. So next question is best strength steroids. What do you do if you just want to get fucking strong? The best steroids for strength would be Anadrol, D-Ball, Halotestin. Um, another good one that won't necessarily raise strength but it'll make you super aggressive is check drops so those would be the three best and then check drops if you're like an mma fighter or something like that and you want just something that's going to make you super aggressive so yeah that's basically it well you that's short term um i would say if you're running a cycle the cycle that i hit my personal records on for strength was trend and anavar together it was like 300 milligrams a week at trend along with about 40 or 50 milligrams a day of VAR. And then another one that I hit up PR with was same uh, dosage of TRAN along with 40, 30 to 40 milligrams a day of T-Bowl. Because the TRAN is very energetic and then the, the, the VAR and T-Bowl are very mild. So they stack very well together. No test in that cycle, but those two cycles were where I hit personal records in strength. And I mean, that trend is the absolute best for strength. Like it is, there's nothing, I will never, ever, ever, ever be able to do that much weight, okay? Without using trend. You know, I would have never been able to do that much weight naturally without trend. So, but it backfired. You know, I've got three herniated discs because of how strong I got off a of trend. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, don't get too carried away, but if you want to get stronger, you know, build yourself up to the trend. Don't just hop on trend early or any of those steroids that Trent ever mentioned. They're very, 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 very harsh steroids. So, you know, kind of build yourself up on that. Don't just hop on them on your first cycle, obviously. And our last topic guys is Primo. Primo, which is the fucking, um, what do they call it, Trevor? The what of ster all steroids? The golden nectar of all steroids? Is that what they call it? It was rumored to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's favorite steroids. I think that's why it's uh, so appraised or, or whatever you would call it. Um, I like Primo a lot. It's a DHT derivative, so it doesn't aromatize into estrogen. Um, People don't respect Primo. They don't think it's a good muscle builder. But if you actually look at the studies on nitrogen retention of different steroids, Primo is a really good muscle builder. It just doesn't cause any water retention. So you're not going to balloon up and scale weight like you would with a wetter steroid like DECA. Um, I like Primo. Um, the problem with Primo is it's very, very expensive. As a guy, you're going to want to run about 400 to 600 milligrams per week. And that really gets expensive. And then most underground labs produce Primo at 100 milligrams per milliliter. So it's a lot of injection. It's a lot of volume to inject. But I like Primo. Um, that's basically it. And also, it's one of the few steroids that women can use. Um, it has very low androgenic properties. So uh, a woman could also use Primo. So Steve, I'll let you uh, say your thoughts on Primo, and then I'll close up the show. 
Yeah, it's misunderstood for sure. I think back in the old days, guys didn't really understand, especially um, in the 90s and stuff. They didn't really understand Primo because in the 90s, it was all about getting size. Everyone wanted to get big, 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 big. You know, they didn't really care about their, um, you know, their whatever else. You know, they just wanted to get big. So Primo got this reputation for being some weak-ass steroid. Everyone wanted to use Trend because they wanted to move the scale. They wanted to get stronger overnight. And yeah, that's trend's going to do that. Primo will not do that. Primo is, is one of those steroids that you take. Okay. And you're not going to notice results on it. You may not notice results on it at all, but it, let's say you don't haven't seen your buddy in, in eight weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks. And then you see them, they're going to be like, wow, you look, you look more cut, you know, you, you know, you look different. So it's one of those things you're not going to notice from day to day. It's not like trend, but it's something you're going to notice after a few weeks because it's a very, very slow builder. It doesn't aromatize into estrogen. It's not androgenic. It's very, very mild. So the way to run Primo that I recommend is five to 600 milligrams a week and then throw in a little androgen with it. You can either throw in a low dose of trend, a low dose of test, or a low dose of D-Bowl. Okay? Throw that in there. If you need a light AI, run a light AI, keep your estrogen balanced. Let the Primo do the work, okay? Let the Primo run, work its magic without interference. And then after about 12 weeks, 14 weeks cycle, you're going to be like, wow, this is, this is really good. But it's, it's a really good a steroid. But a lot of people don't like it because the bang for the buck. You know, you can get far better, quote unquote, results off of running 200 milligrams of trend a week for 12 weeks instead. But you're also going to get a shitload of size. But the nice thing about Primo, side effects are low. The gains, you're going to gain a little bit on it, but it's going to be much more keepable than the yin and yang effect of running trends. So definitely run Primo for like a third or fourth cycle, okay, and see what it does for you, and you'll really enjoy it. And make sure you get the legit Primo because there's a lot of fakes out there because it is so expensive. So what the sources will do is they'll put EQ. They'll give you EQ instead of Primo, and you won't really know the difference unless you really know these steroids. So they'll do that to save money because EQ is so much cheaper. So get a legit source, go on our website, look for an approved source that has real Primo and you'll be very, very happy. It's an awesome, awesome steroid. I love it. I'll say one more thing about Primo. There is an oral version of Primo available, Primo acetate. Um, the absorbability isn't that great because it's not methylated. So as a guy, you're really not gonna get much out of it. As a female, you could do it because women are much more sensitive to androgenic steroids. But uh, as a guy, you're not going to get much from it. So as a guy, I would definitely stick with the injectables. As a female, you could use the injectable or the oral form, um, whatever best suits your preference. So both Steve and myself would like to thank you guys for another really awesome 10 questions. Keep the questions coming. We couldn't do this, uh, this Q&A podcast without you guys. Um, like I said, if you guys have questions, you can send me a DM on Instagram. You can send me an email or you can reach out to Steve on the evolutionary.org forums. You can send him a private message or a visitor message. For your host, Trevor Karitzen, for my co-host, Steve Smee, this has been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life, look good doing it. Thanks for listening.